supernatural has to do with the existence beyond what you can see, beyond the visible, observable universe. It has to do with departing from what is usual or normal. Listen to this. Especially so as to appear to transcend the laws of nature. That's what supernatural is. That's what supernatural does. It exists in a realm beyond, outside the visible, what you can see and feel. And it also has to do with transcending the laws of nature. Supernatural law supersedes natural law, which is exactly what we just read about in John chapter 6. And if you back all the way up to the beginning of that chapter, you see Jesus was already building momentum with this when he and his disciples were on the hillside and they saw a great multitude coming towards them and Jesus decides, I want to feed these people. And the disciples kind of go into panic mode and they say, you know, we've only got like 200 denarii on hand. How's that enough to buy food for all these people so that even, all of them can even have a little bit? And then another one starts freaking out and says, look, all we've got is some loaves and some fish, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, make the people sit down. It's an interesting study. We've talked about it some in here, but let me remind you. When Jesus said, make the people sit down, look up that word, and it's actually the word lie down. Make the people lie down. And then the Bible tells us in John chapter 6, there was much grass in the place, which is sort of kind of a interesting detail, right? It's like, well, thank you, Bible, for helping me paint this picture here. But if you think about it, what's happening? The good shepherd is making his sheep lie down in green pastures. The 23rd Psalm is coming to life. And Jesus, it was his idea to feed them. So he takes what little they had and he holds it up and he begins to give thanks for it. He blesses it, which is what we dealt with last week, being overtaken by blessing. And in blessing, one thing I've neglected to mention to you, Going all the way back to Genesis 1, when the first thing human ears ever heard out of the heart and mouth of God was be blessed. The Bible says he blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Multiplication is acceleration. If you're trying to get from one to a thousand, but you're doing it by adding one at a time, one at a time, one at a time. It's going to take you a while to get there. But you start multiplying, and you can get from one to a thousand much quicker, can't you? Multiplication is acceleration. So when Jesus held up the loaves and the fish, and he gave thanks for it, and he blessed it, this was so much more than, Lord, thank you for this food. Um, you know, bless the hands that prepared it. Um, you know, these little dinky prayers sometimes we pray over our meal. This wasn't that. This was faith. And he blessed it. And in blessing it, what happened? Multiplication. And natural law says you cannot feed 5,000 people with a few pieces of bread and a few pieces of fish. Supernatural law begins to supersede natural law and multiplies, multiplies, multiplies. 
till everybody was filled to the full and satisfied and there was enough left over. So Jesus is already in this mode, supernatural acceleration, multiplication. And it was right out of that that we read in verse 16, the disciples go get into the boat. Jesus isn't with them. And they start to cross over to the other side of the sea. And we have these details. They get about halfway, three or four miles. That Sea of Galilee is about eight miles wide. And these guys get about halfway and they're stuck. Stuck. Anybody in here ever just felt stuck? Huh? You're not making progress. Not the progress you want to make. Man, it feels like you've just been rowing and rowing upstream, rowing against the wind, and it's hard and it's tiring. And you look and it's like, man, we are getting nowhere. Getting nowhere financially. Getting nowhere in your career. Getting nowhere in your family. Just desiring to make progress, but for whatever reason, you just feel stuck. Now, if you stay in the middle of that environment, you are going to stay stuck. You need something supernatural to come along. And that's when Jesus comes to them, not swimming, <laughs> didn't hop in another boat. He comes to them, what? Walking on the water. You can't do that unless you're operating according to another law. The law of supernatural law that supersedes natural law. Where natural law says you have to go sink to the bottom. Supernatural law says I will put foundation beneath your feet that you can't see. I will put something firm for you to stand on. I will put something firm for you to walk on. My word will be that foundation beneath your feet. And where everybody else has faltered, where everybody else has sunk, you stay right out there on top of the surface, stepping on something you can't see it, but it's solid. I said, you can't see it, but it's solid. And it's the word of God. So Jesus, here's, super, here's natural law number two that he's breaking in the same chapter, comes walking to them on the water. They panic. He says, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. So they willingly received him into the boat. And then here's the third natural law that gets broken. Immediately, they're at the other side. That's fast. That is supernatural acceleration. And you can do all the math you want to. You can try to compute based on how long it took you to get here, how strong the headwinds are, how many people are rowing in the boat, how much, how much force they're exerting, how much distance there is still to go. If it's taken us three or four hours to get this far, it's going to take us at least another three or four hours to get that far. Or Jesus can get in the boat. And all your math can go overboard. Why? Because we're about to be immediately, oh, I love that word. I have so fallen in love with that word. Immediately at the other side where they were, where they were going. That's acceleration. Why are we talking about this? Because we need to increase our expectation of acceleration. See, you can tell we haven't been expecting it like we need to be. We talk like it. We, we, we say the right things at times. We confess the right things at times. But let me ask you, are you really expecting? Are you really expecting that healing prayer to produce it? Because I guarantee you, if some of these prayers you and I prayed, oh, Father, we thank you for healing. We call this person healed in Jesus' name by the stripes of Jesus. What we're really expecting is, yeah, this will work. It might take some time. 
But if the power of God hit the scene every time you and I prayed, be honest, you'd be shocked. You'd be going, oh my God, this stuff works. You'd be absolutely shocked. You'd be totally floored. And that's not good. I said, that's not good. That's an indicator of what? Lack of expectation. So what the Spirit of God is doing in having us focus on this, He is increasing our expectation. And I want you to, I'm going to give you a statement, and I want this to be something you live your life by. If you see it in the Word, you can have it. If you see precedent set by the Word of God, I want you to determine right now for the rest of your life, I can have it. If I see it in His Word, I can have it. What am I telling you? Your expectation requires a foundation. Faith is the substance, substance of things hoped for. In other words, faith is the foundation for hope, the expectation. And faith only comes by hearing the Word. So as we hear the Word of God and we look at instance after instance and example after example of immediately, suddenly, immediately, suddenly, immediately their eyes were open. Suddenly the doors were open. Immediately they could walk. Immediately she was raised from the dead, right? You look at this over and over and over. Faith is coming and it's laying a foundation for an increased expectation of some acceleration. Amen. <laughs> I got a foundation for it. In other words, I ain't just making stuff up, church. I'm not just making stuff up. I'm looking to the Word to set my expectation. And we're making the decision right now, aren't we? If I see it in the Word, I can have it. If I see the precedent set in the Word of God, bless God, I can have that. And the expectation's coming up. So the word accelerate, or excuse me, the word supernatural has to do with transcending the laws of nature. To accelerate, you know what this means, to bring about at an earlier time. Acceleration is the process of moving faster or happening more quickly. So are you beginning to expect that more? Are you beginning to expect your faith to become sight? Huh? Because that's what's supposed to be happening as we meditate on these things. Jesus transcended the laws of nature by operating according to natural law, and the result was supernatural increase. So, excuse me, supernatural acceleration. When I start talking about these things, natural laws, one of the first things that come to my mind all the time is the law of gravity. That's a law. And can I just see the hands of those who are just thankful for the law of gravity? I appreciate it. It actually makes a lot, a lot of things a lot easier, right? It's a good thing. And whether you realize it right now, it's working. As we speak, gravity is working on you. It's working on me. That natural law is working. That law that is pulling us towards the center of the earth at 32 feet per second, or 9.8 meters per second. They have figured out that's the pull of gravity. And it's working right now. It's working all the time. And it's a natural law. Now we don't think much of it now, but that law, though it is true, though it is real, and though it is always working, there are times in our lives where we supersede that law, don't we? Ever been on an airplane? Well, then you superseded the law of gravity. 
Now, that seems like no big deal to us right now. But you rewind a couple of hundred years and try to tell somebody, yes, in the future, we will be flying. They would have thought, that's supernatural. <laughs> they would have thought, no way, you can't do that. You, you must be a witch or something, you know, to, to be able to transcend that natural law. But man, through his hunger and desire, as he looked to the sky and saw birds that could fly, he thought, I want to do that. So they figured out. They figured out how to counteract those laws that keep you down and overcome them. About 120 years ago, two brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, had dedicated their lives to figuring out how to fly. And on a beach in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, in 1903, these dudes figured it out. And they flew. And they overcame that law that up until that time in all of human history had kept people down. They figured out how to overcome. Gravity's pulling you down, so I got to figure out how to get over that. And they figured out what we call the law of lift. So you've got one law, gravity, that's pulling you down. But now here's another law. It's the law of lift. Lift is the force that acts opposing to gravity. And they figured out for us to fly, there were two things we had to overcome. We had to overcome weight, which is gravity pulling you down. And we had to overcome drag, weight and drag. These two things are constantly working against you and I leaving the surface of the earth. These things are working against you all the time. Weight, trying to bring you down. And drag is the force that, that, that acts against you horizontally, trying to move you backwards to keep you from moving forwards. So you got weight, you got drag. And these two guys and others have figured out how to overcome those laws. Again, we don't think of it as supernatural, but it's a good example of one law superseding another law. And through the law of lift, they overcame the weight. And with the law of thrust, which is forward motion, they figured out if we can get going forward fast enough and it supersedes what's trying to pull us backwards, we can get this thing in the air. And they did it, man. They overcame for 12 whole seconds. They overcame that law, which is pretty big stuff if you think about it. For thousands and thousands of years, I mean, all of human history leading up to that point, nobody had ever overcome it, and they did for 12 seconds, spanning a great distance of 180 feet. They overcame, though. Now, fast forward about 95 years to my senior year in high school when my grandfather says to me, Jeremy, would you like to learn to fly? Sure. So he gets me connected with a flight instructor. And I remember my first lessons. We're sitting in a classroom, just me and him. He's got a dry erase board. And you know what he put on that board? The very same thing I just told you about that those two dudes found out almost 100 years before that that if you can overcome what's holding you down, if you can implement a different law, that law of lift, and if you can get going faster than what's trying to drag you back, this thing will get in the air. 
It's the same stuff. It's the same principle. So I started learning to fly. And after a couple of ground school lessons, he walks me out to an airplane. Cessna 172. You know what that is? Not much. <laughs> it's a little four-seater airplane. That 172 refers to the power of the engine. About 172 horses in that engine. Most of your cars will do better than Some of your lawnmowers will do better than that. <laughs> it's not a lot, but listen to this. It's enough. It's enough. And I found out in those first couple of lessons, you taxi that thing out to the end of the runway and you push in that throttle and you give it all the power. I'm giving the roll she's got, Captain. You give it all that power, which ain't much. You start inching down that runway and you hit, what is it, Connie? It's about 60 knots or so in that 172 and you pull back on that yoke. You can create enough lift that will actually overcome gravity. And the whole time you're pulling back on that thing, gravity's going, where are you going? Get down here. Gravity's trying to get you back down to the earth at 32 feet a second. But you're generating another law. It's that law of lift. And you push enough power in. Again, you're not going that fast, but it's enough. It's enough pushing you forward to overcome what's trying to drag you backwards. And I learned... In learning to fly, the same thing that Orville and Wilbur figured out a hundred years before that. And you take that same principle. You can apply it to a Cessna 172. You spend a little time in a small airplane like that. You graduate up to something a little bigger, maybe something with, with two engines. You're putting out a little more horsepower now. You can graduate out of that to what they call a turboprop, which has got a lot of horsepower. Start moving you through the air a lot faster. Then you get into jets. And jets are cool because they kind of stop measuring everything in horsepower and they use another unit of measurement. They call it pounds of thrust. And that basically just equals how much power do we have to give this thing to counteract that, that gravity that's pulling down on it at 32 feet a second. And so one pound of thrust is equal to the, the opposite of gravity pulling you down. One pound, 32 feet, gets you in the air, 32 feet a second. And you start getting into some of these jets, and you start feeling power. Sarah and I have spent a little bit of time in uh, a jet called a Citation 10. Now, at one time, the Citation 10 was the fastest general aviation plane on the market. And that thing would do almost Mach 1. That's power. That's almost the speed of sound. And I remember the first, thing, first time we were on that plane and we taxied out to the end of the runway just like I did in the 172. Only this time, when the guys put the power up, you feel it. And the way they do it, they keep their feet on the brakes, push the power throttle up because now this is not a 172 horsepower engine. This is two Rolls-Royce engines that are putting out about 6,500 pounds of thrust. And you feel every one of them. They put that throttle to the wall. It puts your back in the seat. And we are accelerating now. And since then, I mean, the, the aviation market's always changing. Everything's improving. I think one of the fastest things you can get in now is called a Gulfstream 650. And that thing also has a couple of Rolls-Royce engines on it, putting out 17,000 pounds of thrust. 
Now, the whole time it's taken off, and the whole time it's flying, gravity's still going, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Get down here. Get down here. But as long as it's got that power, as long as it's producing that thrust and that lift, it'll stay. It will supersede that natural law. That's just private airplanes. You get into commercial stuff. There's a company called Airbus that makes an airplane called the A380, one of the biggest commercial planes in the world. That thing's got four engines, and across the wings, those four engines are putting out between 70 and 80,000 pounds of thrust. Now, gravity's still working on it the whole time, but it's overcoming. It's overcoming weight. It's overcoming drag. Overcoming the whole time at 80,000 pounds of thrust. And that airplane, that particular one, has a range of 10,000 miles. In other words, it can overcome that natural law for 10,000 miles and stay up there for over 16 hours. Now, that's a far cry from those two brothers on that beach. They got, they got what, 12 seconds and about 180 feet at an altitude of about yay high? <laughs> But the same principle, the same principle is working all along. And that's an awesome thing, you know, to think about the world we live in now and how, how much for granted we can take it, that we're just constantly overcoming this natural law. But you know, the Bible says, deep calls unto deep. What's that mean? I think about it from the perspective of somebody like a pilot or, or an explorer, somebody who has set records, speed records, climbing records, diving records. Take somebody, some diver that's gone deeper than anybody's ever gone before. Set a new record. And that guy, that girl emerges from the surface of the water and people are like, wow, you went further than anybody's ever gone. They're celebrating that. You want to know what that person's thinking? I wonder what's deeper. They've been deeper than anybody's ever gone, but deep calls to deep. And when you've gone further than you've ever gone before, yes, that's wonderful and it's much to be celebrated. But if you listen, your spirit will go, yeah, but what's next? Somebody who's climbed high, they say, man, I wonder what's higher. Which is why, as wonderful as it is to to travel at 600 miles an hour and span 10,000 miles and stay in the air for nearly 20 hours, there's something inside man that looks into the night sky and starts looking at stars and says, I want to go there. I want to I get outside this natural environment. So the only thing next, really... I mean, you can get into some fast stuff in the military and all that. But the only thing next is space travel. And I've been so drawn to this lately. I've been so drawn to the night sky lately, just looking up at stars and endeavoring to wrap my head around it, how far away they are, how big they are. It just talks to me about the goodness and greatness of our God. And you take one of these space shuttles, and you don't measure in horsepower, those, those big, bad airline jets that put out about 80,000 pounds of thrust, you know what that space shuttle says? 
cute. <laughs> because that bad boy puts out 1.2 million pounds of thrust. That's a lot. You know how they say it's dangerous to have an open flame around fuel, around gasoline? Well, this is why you never see an astronaut smoking a cigarette out by the, the shuttle just, just before launch. Because that stuff's got so much fuel in it. And it's got so much thrust coming out of it. Why would it need 1.2 million pounds of thrust? Because gravity is all the time working against it. That thing's trying to get outside this atmosphere. He's trying to go places jets don't go, airliners don't go. He's saying, get me out of here. I want to get outside this environment. I want to get outside this atmosphere. And it takes all that power. Oh, come on. Somebody say power. power. It takes power to get outside the natural laws. And they're headed for a place where gravity gives up. They're headed for a place of weightlessness. And the things that would drag you down here don't drag you down there. Yeah. And now you're listening to this going, okay, interesting. Why are we talking about this? Is it possible the Bible has something to say about this? A book that was written thousands of years before anybody ever flew anywhere, before ever, anybody ever got outside this atmosphere? Seems to me the Bible has something to say about laying aside some weights. Seems to me the Bible has something to say about overcoming the things that drag you back and drag you down, being an overcomer in this life. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.